Welcome to Home of the Brave. I'm Scott Carrier. The land on and around Cedar Mesa, the Bears Ears, is almost all federal land managed by the Bureau of Land Management and the U.S. Forest Service. It was federal land before President Obama declared a big national monument, and it's still federal land now that President Trump reduced the size by 85%. Normally, the BLM and the Forest Service manage their land according to a practice called multiple use, which means the land can be used for anything from coal mines to wilderness areas, from oil wells to ski resorts. But when an area is declared a national monument, multiple use no longer applies. The management practice on national monuments is to protect the natural environment. So in this way, the argument over the size of the monuments in southern Utah is mainly an argument about how much land will be open for commercial development. Trump's reduction reopens about 800,000 acres to multiple-use management. The fear of the environmentalists is, well, I'll let my friend Ken Sanders describe it. In a nutshell, they're giving it away to corporations that are going to exploit it for oil, gas, uranium, and every natural uh, energy source or natural resource that they can possibly extract out of it. And the only reason they're doing it is for greed and power and money. And taking our land and destroying the earth, the air, and the water to put profits in the handfuls of corporations that are going to take those profits far away from here is, in my mind, obscene. This is the way the story's told at least by the environmentalists. But the reality of the situation is that there are no coal, oil, or gas reserves on Cedar Mesa. There are oil and gas fields on the perimeter of the Mesa, and there's a huge coal field 100 miles to the west on the Kapowitz Plateau. But on Cedar Mesa, the only mineable, extractable resource is uranium. And there is a uranium mine on Cedar Mesa already, the Daenerys mine, but it hasn't been in production since 2012 due to the low price of uranium. Three weeks ago, the BLM granted a permit allowing the mine to expand its operations, but the company, according to its spokesman, has no foreseeable plans to begin production. So, at least for now, on Cedar Mesa, the threat of industrial resource extraction is small. The much bigger threat according to people who live down there, is industrial tourism. There are just too many people coming in to see the new national monument. Could you explain your opinion or your view on what this battle is all about or what's underlying the controversy over the monuments? Mm -hmm. Money. Money. Robert McPherson is a retired professor of history and anthropology at the Utah State University Extension in Blanding, Utah. He's lived there since 1976. Some well-intentioned people, others not well-intentioned, that are using this as a means to bring in industrial tourism and to turn this area into an unpaved Disneyland. It, it's a, it, it's, this is totally a money-driven thing. There's no reason to create a monument. To give it the 
higher perhaps status. It is not a higher status, it's a lower status. It moves it from multiple use to a controlled vacation area. They come in are coming in by the droves. You you go down in these canyons and what used to be just, you know, a road through the through the pinion trees and juniper trees is it's turned into parking lots. You know, I mean there are cars lining these places and they come from all over the place. They come from China and Japan. But they also come and a lot come from Colorado and northern Utah and other places. And the reason they come here, because they want to have an experience looking at these ruins. These ruins are fragile. They fall apart with very, very little urging. In fact, they fall apart on their own. And, you know, the thing, the song that everybody wants to sing is we need to protect these sites. We need to protect it. There is no way that you can protect that site because it is in a canyon system that is spread over hundreds and hundreds of square miles. There's no way they can cover those, those canyons. To keep people from picking up uh, pottery and yeah, shards and things like that. Picking it up and sitting on the, on the wall. Take my picture. I'm sitting on this Anasazi ruin wall. And, you know, you, you walk around, you see one little pot shirt, and you say, ah, that was made, you know, 900 years ago. I'm going to take it home. And it goes into someone's pocket, and then it goes on to their dresser, and eventually it's kind of like, oh, what the heck, and it's thrown away. So people talk about, oh, we want to preserve it, we want to protect it, but in reality, that doesn't happen. It's just the opposite. It's just, if nothing else, it's just sheer volume of people trampling over these, these sites and taking a little souvenir as they go. The way to prevent it is to keep people out. But the problem is now that the, the bag is open. The bag is open and there, there are entire books that are being written about the masonry and the art, uh, rock art, down in Cedar Mesa. And that does nothing but drive more people to it. Even this story is going to have that effect. Sure, sure. And people will listen and say, well, I don't agree or I agree or whatever, but I'm going to get down and see that place. So the more publicity it gets, the worse it is. And so people who, who think they're saving the, the sites, saving the land, are destroying it. This is a bitter pill to swallow. The ruins on Cedar Mesa used to be protected by nobody knowing they were there. Cedar Mesa was a secret, and now the cat's out of the bag, just at a time when tourism in southern Utah is increasing by 15 to 20 percent a year. It's doubled in the last decade. Arches National Park, 60 miles north of the Bears Ears, had one and a half million visitors last year. Canyonlands National Park, just next to the Bears Ears on the north, had 700,000. Heidi Red lives close to the Canyonlands on a cattle ranch spread out across the northern slope of Cedar Mesa. She used to own the ranch, Dugout Ranch. You've seen it in Marlboro ads. But 20 years ago, she sold it to the Nature Conservancy. Now the ranch and the ranch house where Heidi lives on Indian Creek are inside the boundaries of both Obama's and Trump's monument. We are sitting in the monument. We have the monument. Um, we do not know whether the monument at this point is going to stand or not. So we're in this limbo. We're in limbo as far as financing to protect. The only thing we're not in limbo about 
are the carloads of people coming? And what are these people coming to see? Our ancient sites. And that's because on every TV program that's talking about the Bears Ears, every newspaper, every magazine, what they have for the main cover, the main picture, is the picture of an ancient dwelling. And they don't they aren't coming with the intent of vandalism. They don't know. So until we know the actual size of the monument's really going to be, and until everything is settled, the budget has not been allocated for additional rangers, additional educational programs. So we are um, really, to me, just hanging by a thread. How many years have you lived here? I've lived on Indian Creek at the Dugout Ranch for 50 years, and when I first came in my 20s, um, it was a dirt road coming in. We never saw, I won't say we never saw a car, but rarely. I mean, if we saw the headlights of a car coming down, uh, we usually knew it was someone that was coming to visit us. So very, very few traffic. In 1970, they paved the road coming in. And we started seeing a little traffic. But I would say up until the 90s, early 90s, there really wasn't that much traffic. And I would say the last year, it's been horrendous. And one of the reasons why we're seeing so much more traffic on Indian Creek is because Indian Creek, the whole San Juan County, when people go into the BLM and say, we want to see the monument, where can we camp? Well, there's no true, there's, I won't say no, but there's very few designated campsites except on Indian Creek. So they're sending a lot of traffic here. And they're realizing that um, they really are scrambling you know, as our urban areas become more and more populated and are congested, and I can see where people want to get out and see blue sky and feel nature, but what I fear the most is with this influx, the BLM will say, well, we need more parking lots, we more, need more toilets, until finally the area is no longer nature, it's a parking lot toilet. And this isn't something that's just happening here. It's happening throughout the West. It's happening in every national park. And it's like people no longer can come and just walk through nature and absorb it. The smells, the feel, the sun. They have to come with their toys and dominate. Every person has to have their toys. If it's an ATV, if it's a motorcycle, if it's uh, climbing ropes, bicycles. Um, and, you know, it is a way for us all to get out and enjoy nature. But once in a while, wouldn't it be nice if you just went out into a wilderness without anything but yourself? What do you think is the bigger threat? Industrial development of, like, the natural resources or industrial tourism? <laughs> this is an interesting question because I can tell you that if um, someone were to put an oil well down here, start an oil well, there would be an outrage from lots of groups. 
there would be TV cameras, there would be, you know, radio, there would be all kinds of outrage. If someone puts a campground down there with a paved road and a toilet that will be there forever, it is absolute silence. So I think that we need to, and I'm not advocating for sure an oil well rig or anything like that. I'm just saying that we need to recognize that uh, when we start changing a landscape, that it doesn't matter whether it's an oil well or a toilet or a paved road, we are changing a landscape and we are taking away from nature. And we, I know we can't lock areas up, and, but I think we need to recognize the value of nothing on a landscape, of empty landscape. The best way to protect bear's ears is to not go there. Show your love of nature by staying home. That's easy enough, and it would work if everybody did it, but it's not going to happen. It's just going to become more and more crowded out there, and we'll all end up talking about the good old days when nobody knew it existed. Thanks for listening to this sad story that probably nobody wants to hear. I very much appreciate your support. And thanks to Amanda Podmore of Friends of Cedar Mesa, an environmental group that's organizing programs to educate visitors about the ruins and how to protect them. Their website is friendsofcedarmesa.org. Also thanks to Dan Hindert and Jock Lydon and Lisa Bryant. Our website is homebrave.com.